Blog Talk Radio. Call me at 516-453-9118. That's 516-453-9118. Or you can listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash reconnect my heart. Also, for those who are on social media, 
You can go to reconnectmyheartpodcast.com where you can also see the videos as well as you can also correspond with us. Also, if you're on Facebook, feel free to chime in on Brother Prater page. I want to send a special, special, special thank you and happy Ladies' Day for those that are attending service today being Fifth Sunday. So without further moment ado, this is a very special um, program. Um, this past week, many students graduated. Uh, they celebrated uh, graduating high school and also it being the uh, last week of school. Unfortunately, many students graduate without a game plan or a direction in life. Today's show, we have a very special guest, uh, the operating partner of Whataburger Store 806 in Rowlett, Texas. Also, my big brother, uh, he's, um, of course, he's been my brother all my life. Also, he's been, uh, for over 40 years, he's been into food service, um, expert, as well as management, great management skills, and also a leader, not just within the family, but also within the community, and countless other life lessons that he'll be sharing with us that he learned along the way, and also selfishly, he taught me and my family. So without further moment ado, I want to, first of all, I do have to say before I forget, he's a highly respected uh, person through the family, and and so without further moment ado, we want to give a special, special, special welcome from Reconnect My Heart to my very own, my big brother, Jerry Prater. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me today, man. Glad to be here, and it's an honor to be here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, I'm I'm honored. Um, I wanted to make sure I was trying to rush to try to make sure that uh I had all the um bells and whistles together, <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that you got it together. So just in case y'all are able to see half of me, the main thing is you can see the whole hymn. That's all that matters. But um, you know, for me to be able to uh, have you, it is an honor. Yeah. And um. And this is not anything new. There's been some conversations just throughout the years that I've had. So when I thought about it being graduation time, I felt that it was important for me to be able to have someone on the show that I know that was very uh, reputable, as well as even just some of the stuff that he shared with me throughout the years. I felt like it would be very great nuggets for him to be able to even share, not just for those who may be graduated, but there are some people who – may not be uh, graduating this year, maybe later on in a couple years, or even those who have already graduated that have missed some of them uh, brotherhood conversations, uh, friendship conversations. Uh, They may not have had that. Some of them may not have even had uh, that father-type figure that was in their life. So I felt like it was important because a lot of us in our family, we have had that, and, you know, sometimes we take it for granted that, what we have, we assume by the time that other people may know. Right. So I felt like it will be very important for us, to even just, if you want to say, for y'all be a fly on the wall just to hear even some of the conversations that me, he has shared with me and, like I said, some of the others in the family and everything. And um, and also not just pertaining to just, uh, you know, just career and everything, but also I do want to, you know, even just grooming and, you know, things that we need to know as men as well as, young ladies, and also career goals and preparing ourselves for life. So, um, you know, just 
even just looking at your credentials of being a, a manager for many, many years, you know, um, tell, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. For those who may not know anything about you, you know, you're welcome to show us at this time. Well, I'm uh, Jerry Prater. I'm the oldest brother of Brother Prater and Ronnie Prater and Walter Prater and Sheila Prater. And uh, I'm the oldest one. I'm the one who uh, kind of had to groom them as they grew up. And as we grew up, I had to – I'm the one who had, had, was the first one to go into the workforce because uh, I was trying to learn what it was to go out and work, and I never worked before. But uh, the main person that uh, I learned to work from was my dad. My dad always worked every morning, and so I decided that, well, one thing my dad told me is you have to work. One thing a man has to do is work. So I figured, well, if I got to work to take care of my family, I got to I gotta go do it. So I got to teach my brother them the same thing. So that's what I did. And I, I, I've done that with a lot of people that didn't have the access that I had. Uh, so it's been an adventure in my life to have uh, young men and women that I work with uh, through the different companies that I work for and uh, the different neighborhoods, uh, uh, Oak Cliff, Pleasant Grove, Mesquite, Rowlett, Ross City. God has moved me around so many different places, and I have been able through with God to touch all those people. So it's a it's an adventure, and it's, a, it's amazing to see other people do good in life, too. And that's, that was my goal, always to see young people do good, because there is one thing you have to do when you get through with school, and that's go to work. Because if you want to have a family and provide and uh, uh, make it in life, and you want your kids and your family and your spouse to have a comfortable life, you have to be the person to go and go go work. Even a woman, if you're going to be out there, you have to provide as a woman for yourself and make that make make ends meet. You know, because you're not always having to depend on a man. You're an individual too, and uh, you want you want the best things in your life too. So nothing is given to anybody free. So I was one of my brothers to understand that. So that's how it came out. Even my kids, same thing. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Now, um, right now. With all the experience we have had, it, sometimes we forget because, you know, we grew up in the house and all that stuff. But it hit me a couple of days ago when he told me what age he started working. What, what age was that? I started working at 14 years old, and everybody probably knows the story of Church of Chicken on Catwood and the Pope. I was a young kid, and my friend Spencer Shaw got me that job. And uh, I was walking home from school from Carter. And so I asked the manager, Spencer asked the guy, could he give me a job? So uh, it gave me a job. So the the first summer, which which tells you have to be humble, all I did a whole summer was wash dishes. I didn't do anything else but wash dishes. Day and night, I washed dishes. Whatever that time I went to work, I washed dishes. But I love washing dishes. So, you know, I learned that at home, the work, it wasn't anything for me. I loved it, and it, it, it made the manager see that I was humble enough to do anything they asked me to do. So that's how I got to start. <laughs> wow. But, and, yeah. and, you know, the other thing is not only him being 14 years old starting to work humbly, washing dishes, but also he was not driving. He had to walk. Yep. Walk. He had to walk to work. Walk, walk to school. After <laughs> yep. get out of school. Walk home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, we were. And our parents had cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and the funny thing was, uh, you know, he would come home late, and it would be past our bedtime sometime, but we would stay up just for him to come home, and he came home smelling like shit, came home, but the thing was, it's like, when he came home, even though we knew he, he was tired, working, going to school and working, but he had joy. 
when he was coming yeah. home. Yeah. And it was like, no more, it gave him a, a sense of meaning, you know. And, yeah. and, and like I said, just for him to be able to walk. And he became a fixture in the community, like he was saying. Everybody knew Church's Chicken, Cowboys and Polk. That was a lit place at the time. Right, right. And so also, you know, that's, that's a, that goes a long way because uh, as my boys, Chris and Jay, uh, got into high school, they went to Carter High School, all their friends would come over to the house, and I was a grown man then, and all those kids would eat chicken, and all those kids would come over, and we'd be going to church together. One thing led to another. So as a man, I was trying to show them how to be a man also because they saw me going to work, and they saw me dressing up as a man, and they saw me being groomed. And so those guys right now, all of them, all of them, are very good guys. They very, they have their own families, and it's, it makes me feel proud to see that. And so that, that lets me know that what I did try to do, God used me to make it work, and it worked. And there's some beautiful young ladies out there that did the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing when you allow God to use you, even in your work experience in the world, when people see you, they, they, want, they want more of that. So as I went through life, different jobs, people just, and so I, I just really appreciate you know, how things I want. I'm, I mean, I'm appreciating my life every day. I wake up every morning. I thank God. I never would have believed what I'm at right now. And so I just thank God that my family, my brothers, and all my cousins stuff, it's just amazing to see when you work hard what you really can achieve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's um, not only Spencer, Spencer ended up helping him get that job, but by Jerry being there, and like you said, starting, if you want to say, from the ground root, starting from humble beginnings, yeah. washing dishes, and yeah. being that thing, you know, I remember going up there, and we would see him work kind of cash register. Yeah. You know, uh, and all of a sudden, that thing, you know, there were many people. Of course, our family was always known, and primarily it was because of him. He was the, if you want to say, the patriarch of our alma mater, yeah. David W. Carter. <laughs> Class of class of eighty two, which also this is the fortieth anniversary. Forty years, man. Fortieth anniversary 40 of class of eighty two. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's been a wonderful thing, man. It's been a wonderful ride. I feel like I ain't never really worked a day in my life. Uh, it's just like it's like some people talk about their job. I'm like, I just go to this place and have fun all day. Yeah, I work hard, but it's like I don't have like no complaints about nothing. I love it. I love my life and all the jobs that I had. I only had four jobs my whole life. So, yeah, that's amazing right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and red. And red, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I remember they end up building a, a shop next door to uh, Church of Chicken, and it was called uh, J.W. G.W. Jr. G.W. Jr. G.W. Jr. G.W. Jr., which he ended up getting – our brother, our, the second, he's the oldest, he's number one, our second brother, Ronnie, right. and also Rod, 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 but it just showed that the influence that he had within the community, yeah. you know, and then um, there was a there was a cousin that we had uh, that was a little bit older than he was uh, that actually worked at uh, Church of Chicken, too, uh, Ricky. Yeah. Ricky Logan, yeah, and you know, tall mountain of a man, yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we lost him in yeah. uh seventy nine, yeah, and all of a sudden, it's like after he after Jerry graduated and everything, it was like 
even though Jerry is not the oldest male, but it's like everybody, uh, oldest grandchild of my grandparents, but everybody yeah. on him, you know, yeah. and he was the go-to guy, not just for his siblings, but also his family, his cousins, yeah. sometimes even the uncles and uncles, you know. Yeah. And so um, with that being, uh, if you want to say where you were at, do you feel like that prepared you for where you were at, where you're at in life now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the main thing was, uh, you know, when I was young, like, when I was growing up, the first person I was hung out with was my cousin Ricky. So Ricky always, when he, when he got, when he worked up there, he worked at churches too. So I just wanted to be like him. So when, when Ricky left us, I had decided in my mind and my heart, my cousins were going to, everybody's going to be like, okay, because I want to make sure I, I, I got reached out to everybody, touched everybody. So that's kind of what happened. And it, it just, I'm telling you, God just worked it out. I didn't have to do nothing different. I, I, all I had to do was be myself. I had to do was stay humble because I tell all my employees now, I have sometimes, like, I go to different I've been to maybe 18 Whataburgers they send me to. And so everyone I go to, I tell people all the time, it's going to be all right. Just stay humble and do what you're asked to do. And believe me, I've had to reinvent myself several times to be where I am. It just didn't, I didn't stay the same. I had to reinvent myself every time. And uh, I, I was just so glad and thankful that God's able to use me in that capacity because uh, I've seen a lot of people that did not have anybody. They, God used me to get them where they need to be. And it's honor. Yeah, it's honor. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I, I do have to say now, um, from his first job at um, churches, I ended up working at a grocery store <laughs> that, um, like, walking distance right, from where right, he was at. Right. And so um, one day, I ended up going to his window during my lunchtime, and he he put out a pen and paper. And first of all, um, I write a lot, but I realized, like, whenever we would, try to get advice or whatever whenever we would talk to our daddy about something. He always had a pen and a paper in his pocket and he always pulled it out. He started writing and I'm like, Oh my God You know, <laughs> he didn't give a lecture so to speak, but it was like he would just write down some stuff. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I was talking I went over there to my lunch excuse me, I went over there on my lunch time and all of a sudden I was talking to Jerry and he asked me you know, some questions he was, if you want to say, giving me, so he was having me to examine my quote-unquote resume, so to speak. So he began to ask me some questions, how old I was. He asked me uh, how much, what kind of experience that I have, not just pertaining to a particular field, but just life. And so one thing led to another, he began to start writing down some stuff, and I don't know how he came up with the figure, and I want him to explain, but he said, okay, you at this age, what you need to do, you need to be making X amount of dollars. He actually told me, um, he said close to ten dollars an hour, blah blah blah. This is back in the nineties now. Uh, blah blah blah. You know, he was just saying some stuff and lo and behold, about a year or two later, I ended up applying for a job, got the job and I started off on salary which ended up being nine dollars and ninety per hour. And now, almost, uh, actually over 28 years later, I'm still there. So with that, first of all, can you 
tell us how you came up with that figure, that principle, but also what made you be able to see in me the values that I didn't see in myself? Well, most of the time, like even with that case, uh, I always look at a person's heart. If they have the intentions of really trying to work, uh, if they really have good intentions to work and are really trying to make it. So I saw you as a person who, a young man who loved what he do. But the thing sometimes we have to understand is, although you love what you do, you're not intended to stay there. You have to progress in order for you to have, like I told you, a family, light, water, gas, car insurance, all these things have to be paid. I said, because you can have a family, you're going to have a wife who's going to have to be at home with the kids. And so, like, even with me and, me and Rhonda, when we raised the kids, Rhonda and I worked two jobs. The whole time, Christmas Day, no young. So we worked, I worked two jobs, and then she would go home and take care of the kids. I'd be going to another job because we were just destined to make it for the kids. A lot of times, you know, I, when I saw you, I said, man, you know, you got to make, you got to make more money, bro. You got to, if you want a better car than you, don't cost you a car, no. You don't have to have insurance. So when you add all this stuff up, usually you have to make three times more than what you think you got to make. Because that's what it takes. It's not no number when you have to spend extra money or save extra money. This is just to make it. And it's, it's not a number you can come up with because the way you live changes every day. Anything, something happens, you got to have money saved up. You know, and, and so it's just one of those things like, they never change. You know, you just have to keep, keep on going and moving, and, and you have to continue to make pro- progress on your job. I don't care what you do for a living. You have to progress. You don't think that you can't do it. You, you can do it. Because I promise you, since I've been working, I've just had to reinvent myself several times. I'm not a computer person. I have to learn to be one. I'm not a computer person. I'm almost be one. So you have to think that you can do it. So I thought, I thought at first I couldn't do it, but I had to make up in my mind I can do this. And I had to do it because I had a family. So thank God everything went okay with the kids and they got raised and they got families. And I feel like I did my job and it's all because I stayed humble and kept working. So yeah, I thank God for that. It's something anybody can do, but the main thing, like I tell everybody today, you have to stay humble. And that's the hardest thing to do sometimes. Uh, so. Uh, my my thing is just just keep grinding, man. Just don't stop grinding. Don't look at what nobody else got. Don't, don't, don't think about what nobody else is doing. You stay on your path. You stay on your level. You keep raising your level. And that'll get you where you need to be. You know, you know um, as he was talking, I was, I was actually seeing he, he has, you know, two boys and two girls. Give a shout out to Chris, Jay, BJ, Macy, you know, um, and as he was talking, I was, I was, I was looking at them, and it was like a split screen from where they were to who they are now. Like he was, like he was saying, you know, they have families, you know, families, you know, kids, and you know, and and one of the things about it is they are very invested in their family, you know, and, and not only that, not only my Kids and not yeah, came around. You know, those kids are doing fine, and all those kids are doing fine, and they they doing good in their communities, and it just shows me that uh, God used me in a good way. I can't take credit for any of that stuff, 
but God used me. Sometimes when God uses you, you don't even know that God's using you for somebody else. You know, sometimes people are born, or sometimes God will use you just to get people here that he wants to do things. So I think that God used me in those cases with all those kids that didn't have a father at home or, you know, all those kids that really were good kids, good-hearted kids. And those kids are really doing well now. All of them, it's amazing to see it, for real, from the, from the house to the job. Those kids are doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, leaving the first job, I do have to say, it was funny where <laughs> even with everybody, when I talk about the community, we're not just talking about people in the neighborhood, which the neighborhood, everybody knows the Prater boy. Everybody knows the Prater family, you know. But also, not just the people that are in the neighborhood, but we talking about famous people. I mean, people who, you know, some people, they have to have entourage, but then when they hear Jerry Prater, and it's not just Jerry by himself, they're the first, last name, Jerry Prater. When, they, when people hear Jerry Prater, it's like, wait a minute, you related to Jerry Prater? I've been in places when people saw my last name, and they say, Oh, uh, you you know you know and sometimes I I play with them. Uh, you know Jerry Prater. I said Jerry is he bald headed? You know hazel eyes? Yeah yeah. I said oh never heard of him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like oh I, I wish you knew. I said that's my big brother. Oh yeah. Well look tell him I said it's always messages. If this happened throughout the years, so. So it, it's so many people, you know, not name dropping or anything like that, but it's so many people just in the limelight. If they see you, you don't have to run to them. They'll run to you, you know. And, and it says a lot because you never know who you impact. And I always tell people, you know, just because you see somebody on TV or performing on a stage, whatever, they may be an entertainer, but they're only an entertainer on the stage. But when they get off the stage, you're a human being. And so – People that we've seen that have performed, but he met countless people, and it's like they always want to be under the umbrella of Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Prater, for him, for them to be able to just have some type of normalcy. And he, you know, I've never seen Jerry starstruck. He always talked to people, and he always treated people equally. Those who, if you want to say, those who felt low, he always raised them up. Those who may felt like they on a high horse, he brought them down, you know. And so he always had an equal playing field. And even at the time, for him to have a home where he invited people and, you know, we would have family gatherings. And there would be our peers. And every now and then, some of our uncles, and especially even those who may come in, that they know they were pastors or preachers or whatever, but they would come in just to see their children. and their nieces and nephews come together on a good occasion, you know. So uh, you, you can, you can, you know, talk about that. It's been, you know, my life has been, I, 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 you know, I won't complain about it because, you know, I've, I've had setbacks and whatever, but, you know, through it all, God always sustained me, man. I, I, I promise you, uh, whatever God will, whatever you God allow you to go through, he'll get you through it, and I promise you. And I have had so many famous, I mean, I have been blessed, bro. I have met so many people. I mean, it's just crazy. One time, I'm just going to say this right here, but this guy grew up in the neighborhood. We was at SMU when me and Chris and Dave went to see a volleyball game. And so I didn't tell Chris. They said they wanted to go see this track club. So I said, okay, we go see the track club. But I didn't say nothing. I, I get there and I see Michael Johnson. So I see the car. Yeah, he's here. I'm like, who's here? He said, Michael Johnson. I said, oh, okay, okay. So 
I said, there he is. Go there and speak to him and say hello. So Chris and Jerry go there. They, they're getting the autograph. So Michael says, uh, your name, he said, what's your name, son? He says, Jerry Crater. And so at that point, everything stopped. You're talking about a whole crowd of people. They say, where your dad is? He said, where's your dad? He said, my dad's standing over there. Mike comes over to me. Chris and Jay, with their mouth open, they don't believe it. Mike, give me a hug. We talk and chit-chat. The president of the bank, give me a big picture. This, 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 the people said, that, that, that's your friend? Yeah, that's my friend. Chris and Jay, Daddy, why didn't you tell us that was your friend? <laughs> I said, well, I, I don't like my friends. I just like my friends to have privacy. I don't like nobody to bother me. So a lot of places we go, I just wouldn't say nothing. But, yeah, man, just one thing. I mean, I mean, countless people. Chris Tucker, I mean, just all that on this. I mean, God has really blessed me, man. I mean, I thank God for it. And it's all because of God. Because I, I stayed humble. I'm telling you, humble is the hardest thing to do sometimes because you have to be grounded. You have to know your purpose. You have to know what you're worth. And I always knew that. When I got to a certain point in my life, I understood what I was worth. I understood what God was using me for. Because not only those people, drug dealers, there was girls everywhere doing stuff, walking the streets, whatever, certain places where I worked at restaurants. And I guarantee you this is what God, no, I'm telling you the truth. God sent those people to me, and I say this, but I promise you, before they died, God sent them to me to see me. And I'm like, what, what do you mean y'all come to see me? We just came to see you, Mr. Jerry, this, this, this. The next day they were gone. I'm like, wow. I'm like, God, you just keep showing yourself because I guess I'm doing the right thing that you asked me to do. And so, and all that, I take no credit for nothing. I stay humble. And, I, and as many things as I've been through, I, I still, I promise you, God has been there, sustained me, and he'll sustain anybody that uh, when you're trying to do the right thing. Because these jobs are hard to find these days if you want to work. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, if you really want to work. You know, you can find a job, but you're going to really want to work. You know, and God will give you what you ask for. You ask a job $60,000 a year, they give it to you. But like God said, without work is dead. You got to have the faith and you got to put the work in. My mom and dad worked the whole time we were young. My mom and dad went to work. My dad had cranked that truck up every morning. We heard it every morning. Did I like it? No. But my dad had taught me, <laughs> my dad had taught me, if you're a man, you've got to work. And not only work, you've got to be responsible for their financial and their religious standards. And I, I thank God that uh, I kept that in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and putting it in him and also him teaching us, and especially, you know, for those who are family kids, yeah. you know, um, we heard the hellfire brimstone. <laughs> You know, we, yeah. we heard that, but yeah. then also when you begin to start seeing, yeah. you know, God be able to use someone that was your own parents for you to yeah. have it broken down to you in famous terms for you to understand. Yeah. And also, uh, I'm a visual person. Yeah. For me to be able to not just hear it, but see it. Yeah. Seeing it, you have to kind of connect the dots, you know. Right. And so with that, now leaving first job, going off to now you working and, and I'm and this is me being opinionated. But there have been many stores that he worked at and I'm like, man, I know he can do better. But looking at it from a cardinal sense, yeah, it was frustrating. Yeah. But looking at it from a spiritual sense, yeah, it's like yeah. wow, you know, it's yeah. like yeah. he was 
Yeah. He was assigned there. He was yeah. designed yeah. and assigned yeah. there, you know. And, and then, you know, sometimes I would just go up there, you know, just, you know, just to say hi or whatever. But I began to start seeing the influence that he had, not just on those that he was working with or some that were working for him, but even the customers. You know, sometimes you have to kind of be a fly on the wall for you to be able to hear when people give you advice. See, are they implementing it first in their life? Right. And so for me to be able to see that, I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so sometimes, we, if you want to say we're looking for a hero, but then when we begin to start hearing the advice, we don't see it implemented in other people in their life. So it kind of get frustrated. You know, some people say, don't do as I mm-hmm. say. Don't do as I do. Do as I say. Yeah. Well, for him to be able to have that demonstrated, it was a big encouragement for the immediate family and then for the extended family as well as for the community, right, you know. Right. So um, so when you were working and everything, and, of course, mm-hmm. I know many people like to go to you for advice and everything, and um, they just say for somebody who may have lost a job, somebody who may have dropped out of school, mm-hmm. because I know the areas that he has worked at, can you kind of impart some of the things that you have heard with them, or even somebody that may be watching who may feel like, you know what, I, I don't, I don't have a chance, or mm-hmm. I don't have any skills. I dropped out of school. I got yeah. kids. Yeah. You know, uh, talk to some of those audience right there. Well, you know, I have worked with kids, and I have worked with adults who have really felt lost, like they didn't have nowhere to go. Like I worked in a certain area of town, which kind of, kind of rough, and. uh I guess God put me there because these people needed something or somebody to look at. I had an employee ask me a question one time. She looked at me and I kind of looked at her like, huh? She said, you act like you ain't never had nobody in your family to die. Nothing went wrong with you. I said, why you say that? Because you always smile. You always, I said, because I understand that the purpose for me here is to work and help. And God's going to abuse me that we have it now because God ordained this conversation. And it's for you to look at things a little different. And that girl right now, she's a manager at a big department store. And she, I promise you, these kids did not have anybody to look at. These kids didn't have nobody to ask a question to. And these some wrong folks that were like, oh, my God. It was like drugs and different things. But when we start having these conversations and they start seeing me working and going to church and da 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 and they start saying, well, Mr. Jerry, can I go to church? And I, sure, you can come to church. You know, uh, uh, even if the ones that didn't go to church with me, we just had some conversations. And a lot of those kids changed their life. Because, like, at one point, you got to understand, wherever you are, that's where you are. If you want to be better, you got to reinvent yourself. It's all about reinventing yourself. You can't stay the same and go to the next level. If you want to be better, you got to do something different. You can't do the same thing and keep wanting to go up, up, up. You got to do something different every time. You might enhance some things. But you have got to reinvent yourself because God will always allow a doorway to be open to you. Always. It always is. If people see your heart as a hardworking person and you have a good heart, they will take a chance with you. I promise you they will. I do it right now with people. I take a chance with people that I see have a good heart. And uh, it, it, it's just that it's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy. You know, like he said, he comes to some restaurants. I worked there in the chicken business, where it was kind of rough. 
well, or whoever, they come over there, they see me, they're like, oh, what's going on? And so me, I'm in there looking at, from the outside, a full glass. I'm looking at the opportunity to get somebody better, somebody like to get better. And it has happened. I promise to God, I have seen miracles that God has worked. People on drugs, people just completely changed their life. God had just restored me because they understood it's not got to be, if I want to be successful, if I want to be happy with what I think I want to be, I've got to keep envisioning myself. I've got to be humble. i got to be concerned about my own well-being of anybody else. It's, it's, it's not about me. I promise you. Sometimes people, I, I work around with a lot, all different people. A guy asked me the other day, older guy, he said, are you a minister? No, sir. And I just kind of laughed. No, sir. I said, my brother's a minister. He kind of laughed. And so it just showed me that he saw something in me. And I'm just at work. I'm just enjoying this. And uh, I just thank God for that. But you have to, if you want to be, you can be whatever you want to be. You know, I, I, look at my, uh, uh, I look at my son, Chris, and how he works and he, he got his family. He's like, Pops, this, this, this. But he keeps, well, I think I'm going to teach summer school. I think this, this, this. You know, and Jerry, hey, this, 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 this. You know, you have to understand when you want to, you got a goal, you write it down. Write it on paper. Write it down on paper. And then write down what's it going to take to get there. It's going to take some sacrifices. It's going to take some hard work. For me to get where I need to be, sometimes you got to be selfish. And I hate to say it like that, but you have to be selfish to take care of yourself. In order for you to get into a better place or get into a better lifestyle, whatever you want, you have to be selfish because everybody is not intended to go where you're going. Some of your friends or whatever. You know, I have, to, I have some friends I have to let go. I guarantee you, out of all the friends I got now, true friends, I have a lot of friends. But my true fears is this is a handful. And it's, it's, I promise you, you have to understand what it's all about. If you want to make it in life, you have got to let go of some people that's really been holding you back. Some people been just there to see how you're going to fail. So they can say, I told you so. Or some people there just to see when you make it, let me have this or let me have that. You know? So some people just there. They don't mean you no harm. They don't mean you no, no good. And so you have to determine what's good for you. And that's the hardest thing to do is sometimes let people go because I'm trying to get somewhere. I promise you I know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, two things. Um, facts pop. That's from his daughter. B. 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 But um, when he was talking, you know, um, I, I was seeing about investing in people, investing, investing, investing. And I mentioned this to him years ago, and I forgot all about it to just a while ago when he was speaking and when he was saying that, you know, his brother's a minister. Um, years ago as a kid, I'll, watch, I'll never get out watching TV, and I saw a Bible for kids, and it was the picture Bible, and it, it, was, it was animated. I was so struck. I was so struck about that and I've never been the type of kid that, you know, asked for anything. Uh, I, I, there was something about that Bible. We wanted that Bible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wanted it. And this, now, like I said, this is back in 80, yeah. 79, yeah. 80. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, I want that. Now, there's a, I think it's a seven-year difference between him and I. And at the time, if I'm seven or eight, that means he's like 14, 15, at the most 16. So, well, actually, 14 to 15. 
Well, he just started working, him to be able to hear what I said, and at the time, there was no <laughs> Amazon. There was no uh, Instagram. There was no Internet. There was an 800 number. He called, and uh, he didn't tell me, but a couple of weeks later, there was a mail, and I opened it up, and there was that picture box. <laughs> and yeah. that meant the world to me, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so yeah. what he did, he took a chance because of what I desired. Yeah. And by now, 40 years later, yeah. now yeah. because of the seed that he planted, yeah. now I'm the one that's spreading what he gave. Yeah. I'm sharing yeah. what he gave yeah. and you know, everything that I know, everything that I've learned right. is all through the grace of God, but it's yeah. also people like him that so happened to be related to me yeah. that took a chance and gave me and introduced me, not just irrelevant, right. but the word of God. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, like I said, I, I thought about that. And then also, of course, the Mickey Mouse record, you know, uh, see, Old McDonald's. Those things like that. Those things like that. Like, to me, anybody out there who listens to this, God, if your intentions are good, I mean, if your intentions are good, and you see somebody has a good heart who desires something that will make them better, and you see they're going to go in that direction. God will use you, and you'll you'll help them help. You won't even allow. You won't even think that God's helping you help somebody else like that. Because I didn't think it was going to be like this. I just thought that He loves God. He loves pure stuff. And so for me, I was like, well, okay, you know. But I tell you, man, it's it's wonderful when you help somebody. Uh, Achieve their goal or help them in their life. It's promise. I have more. I have more than I can think of that people that come to call. I get my. I get so many phone calls. Like, really, man. You know, just want to talk and this, this, this because they want to thank me. I was just. I didn't do nothing. God just used me. I'm just that vessel. And a lot of us out there, we we vessel. If we allow God to use us, you would never. You'd be surprised how God would use you to help somebody in a miraculous way, to help somebody else who really need help. I mean, it goes a long way, you know. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for somebody who may not, like I said, who may not have been privileged to, uh, as a young man, to grow up with a father or have some male figures, whatever that, yeah. there are some key things in, 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 like I said, I had to learn not everybody grew up the way we did, you know. And so one of the things that we have to understand that there are some key things as a man yeah. That you have to have, you have to do, paying to wardrobe and yeah. appearance and all that stuff. Um, first, from the male standpoint, uh, can you tell some of the guys that may be watching some of the things that they may be needed in their wardrobe and their appearance and all these stuff? Yeah, uh, um, well, you know, it's kind of a thing. Uh, I used to say that everybody should know, but uh, I realize in this day and time, people are just not being taught this stuff. Uh, they don't have a dad at home or they don't have a mom at home. And these young ladies don't know and these young men don't know. So I don't hold them accountable for that until after I have the conversation. I don't say you should know this, 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 this. About three months ago, I had a conversation with some of my employees. I was at a store and I was helping people. And I told them, we was talking, and I said, son, where's your belt? Oh, Miss Jerry, da, da, da. So I don't have a belt. This, this, I said, well, what size do you work? He told me what size he I took my belt off and gave it to him. He said, you going to give me your belt? 
I said, yeah, I got enough better home. I said, let me tell you something, son. There's a few things a man should have. Some black shoes, a blue suit, a black suit. You should always have those things because when you need the black suit, you're going to a film. The blue suit is for the business. The black shoes go with both of them. A white shirt go with both of them. You're trying to get somewhere. So if you want somebody to see you trying to get somewhere, and guess what? If you don't have that, hey, some nice slacks. A pair of nice slacks. Just some slacks. Keep them in the closet hanging up just in case you want to go talk to somebody about a job. I had a young man come for an interview for one of my other managers. When the guy came through the door, he had a hoodie on. So I go, is he coming to talk to you for an interview? He said, yes, sir. So okay. I didn't say anything because I want to see what my manager's going to do. So the guy comes in, he sit down, and I guess the look on my face was saying, hmm, I don't think we're going to do this. Because some people look at you, when you go to that person, even though you might think that's your thing to do, see, you can't connect all your worlds together. You know, your job shouldn't interact with your social. And your social shouldn't interact with your church. You have to keep things separate because once you start connecting everything, you ain't never got no peace. You'll never find the common ground that you need to get somewhere. You'll find the common ground to fail because everybody will use stuff against you. They might not tell you until they need it. They'll post and pass and say stuff, and then when you get to doing something good, bam, they'll post it. And they'll go, oh, I, I go, what? I tell people, my social media, my kids at work or anywhere, do not post anything. Please don't. Don't, because it costs somebody their job. And it'll cost you your job. It will. Because people and companies that make a million dollars are not going to risk it on over you. They, they won't do it. They won't even, they'll, they'll take you unemployment and cut it off because they're not going to take that chance. They're making too much money. But if you got to have a young man, you should have your stuff. Don't fall for the okie doke. I hate, you know, it's my opinion. I feel this way. I hate the way sometimes the beard has transpired. Because it's okay to have a beard, but brush it out, even it up, presentable. Don't just go for this rapper stuff and social media stuff that got you looking in the kind of way. Because one day, you're going to have to go to a funeral. One day, you're going to have to go to church. One day, you're going to have to go to a job. One day, you're going to have to go to your kids' school. And you don't want your kids' friends and teachers seeing you in a certain way like, oh, my God. You got to present yourself as a man, as a well man. Nobody's perfect. I've made many mistakes. I, I promise you I've made many mistakes. But I learned from those mistakes. I promise you. Young ladies, when you go somewhere, I've had people come to me, sit down in front of me, cleavage all out, short dresses. That don't get you a job. What gets you a job is when you come to me and you look presentable. You look business-wise. Because I know when I give you this uniform, how you're going to be prepared. You're going to work, right? You know, you have got to consider, I have to live, I have to work. You know, don't don't connect your social and your job together. Keep your world separate. Everybody don't know, the, everybody at your job don't know, need to know what you do at home. Everybody at your home don't need to know, you know, what's going on at your job. Don't go home back and forth, all this stuff. Don't keep it separate because people will use it against you, I promise you. I've seen it happen. I have. For real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that, you know, you know, like he was saying, a lot of times 
we just assume that everybody knows. Because to be honest with you, yeah. I, I, I never thought about that kind of stuff until I became a father. And also even me working in the jail, you know, I'm, I'm looking and now I'm at the age where these guys that are coming in, regardless if they're inmates or co-workers, they're young enough to be my son. You know, they're coming in 18, 19, 20, and everything. I'm like, wow. So I'm listening to them, and some of them, I'm just saying, especially the young men, they're so angry. They don't know how to ver- verbalize or articulate how they feel. So what they'll do, they'll cut, they'll say all these things. They'll cuss out their kids. They'll cuss in front of a female. All these things. And unfortunately, a lot of times, they just haven't been taught. You know, we were taught, hey, especially when it comes down to where a lady has access to go to, you may not see her, but if she has access to be there, you don't say certain things. You conduct yourself as if. Your supervisor is standing right in front of you. Yeah. You work. You don't have to. You don't work when your supervisor is in front of you. Yeah. Uh, when he, he don't show up for work, you see it's still your responsibility yeah. to perform. You're there to work, in spite of you getting assistance from coworkers or your supervisor is standing over your shoulder. If your supervisor has sent over your shoulder to supervise you, then he don't need you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So you know, like I said, even just. With that, it's, it's, uh, it was so important for us to be able to really just understand, you know, just as a man, you know, the responsibilities yeah. and stuff. Now, you know, you were saying um, as far as young men, but what about even young ladies, you know? Uh, what would you like to show young ladies? Uh, I, I really feel like young ladies just don't know or haven't been taught how beautiful they are without the nose piercing, without the tattoos. You know, I, I, I'm, if you want to do it, that's fine. That's your choice. But, you know, I get ladies and girls come to me. They got tattoos all over their hands. They got tattoos on their neck. they're good workers. But I'm like, you should understand how beautiful you are without them. You don't need them. You are so beautiful. And I told one of my employees one time, she was going to get tattoos. And she used to get tattooed on her arm. She was just, they was going to go tat, have a tattoo party. I had a conversation with her. She said she went home that night, and I was like, what? She said, Mr. I need to talk to you. I was like, what, what, what is it? She went down and talked. She said, you know what? I sit down, and I didn't have no makeup on. She said, I sit in front of the mirror. And she said, look at my eyes. And I looked at my skin. And I looked at my hair. And she said, you know what? I said, what, girl? She say, because I call everybody girl. It's just me. And they know me. And they, she goes, I am beautiful. I said, you are, because God made you that way. You have to understand you are so you don't need that stuff. That's just socially something they promote, promoting. And that's, and that's fine for them to do that. Every avenue has its own way. But, you know, I'm just telling you, you got to live with that. You know, once you do it, it's done. You know, but you are a beautiful girl. It's okay to get tattooed somewhere. I don't nobody see it. Don't nobody know you, and that world don't connect with that world. That's fine. And she looked at me. She said, "I'm not even getting out that right now." She said, "Not the fact that not the fact that I you showed me something different. You showed me something nobody ever told me. When I said I'm gonna get a tattoo, all my aunties and cousins, everybody kept saying, "Yeah, girl, yeah, girl." Did nobody say, "Wait a minute, hold up"? And I just looked at her like right now. She's like 25, 26 years old. 
he graduated college and everything. She got a good job. She said, Mr. J, you know, if I had got that tattoo where I was going to get it, she's going to get it on her hands. I wouldn't have got the job I have now. I said, that's all I'm trying to say. You're free to do what you want to. I won't speak against anything, but I want to give you a choice. A choice. You know, you are, women don't understand how beautiful you are without all that other stuff. See, my daughter Macy, one time we were looking at TV, and so we was talking about something on TV. I said, Macy, do you understand it? Everything on TV is not real. It's not. We go to each commercial. She said, Daddy, what about that? He's talking about, I said, he's an actor. The next thing, come on, said, she's an actor. She can't be no actor. She's an OX. She's getting paid. Yeah, this is, the whole thing is fake. She started talking about, oh, I've never thought about that. And so a lot of kids and people don't realize that TV and social media is made to make money. It's made to, it has studies go on. We have studies in our company go on that want to find out what you like. And we will reinvent ourselves and make something to do something we never did because we want to make money. And you are beautiful. You, you, you just don't know how beautiful you are. Nobody else, I guarantee if you sit in the mirror and just look at yourself, you will understand how beautiful you are. It don't matter what nobody else thinks. Because you can go to the, you can go get your face done, get the nails done, and go to prom, and you can look pretty after the prom. You can go anywhere you want to go to a business meeting or whatever. And I guarantee you, even though you look that way, somebody's still gonna have something to say. So I always tell my players, like I have told somebody a week, I said, if you're not nothing with it, you're not nothing without it. Think about that. Think about it. Everything that you think you really need, think about it. If you're not nothing with it. You know, nothing was happening. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I do have a piggyback. I didn't know this until recently, but, you know, even like with tattoos, what happens is once you get tattoos, it actually starts breaking down, and over time, it actually awaits. In other words, it's a bad investment. What you invest in, it should be profitable. It should be profitable. But if it's something that deteriorates, then it's a bad investment, you know. And sometimes, you know, you know, some you know, we can easily we can easily get into the biblical part about the tattoos and some people they'll turn the deaf ear. But if you look at the death of five hundred dollars on the tattoo, as soon as I'm finished with my procedure, that painful procedure, it starts breaking down in my body and it starts going through your bloodstream. So now you wasted five hundred dollars, and then also you having particles that you did not have in the beginning. You have four particles into your bloodstream, which now may even affect your health. You know, so you know something to think about. Now, before we get ready to, we have a call on. Before we get ready to go to the phone line. I feel the need to say this. You, you've been supervising. You have had to make payrolls and stuff. And there have been points where there are guys who may have, if you want to say, start dibbling and dabbling and end up living a unhealthy lifestyle, end up getting a girl pregnant. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't realize, even though that few minutes of pleasure, can cause a lifetime of pain mm-hmm. and you end up paying child support mm-hmm. towards a female you don't like and sometimes you end up having to see that child and sometimes you don't you don't really give that child the full love and attention 
that it needs to, he or she needs because child, you see your child's mother mm-hmm. or you see your child's father. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just when you were speaking, I just I just kept seeing because you had to make these adjustments in report. Mm-hmm. Hey, this guy have to have this amount of money deducted because of child support. All this even just speak on that part right there for those who may who may not be conscious of the decisions that they're making pertaining to who they dating or who they sleep with. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with some young men about one ago because they were getting ready to go to prom. And so what I told him was, you have to live after the prom. The prom is not the final thing in your life. The prom is just a milestone that you should be celebrating. So high school, after the, and I told the young girls, I told a couple of my people, you got to live after the prom. Don't, don't ruin your whole life prom. Don't, don't, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of girls that made some bad decisions, a lot of guys that made some bad decisions on prom now. And so I told them because, you know, this person, I'm not going to be the person to deal with anyway. I said, so what you need to understand is don't come out your check. I have had people come in there, running from child support. Once I put the social security number in, it's done. You can't run away from it. I had one guy that was like $84,000 in the hole. I love him. And he's, man, you know, man, you should have just been with me a little before time. I was. I said, because, you know, but, but, but he understands now, you know, and he taught his boy the same thing. You know, there are some decisions that you might make that cost you the rest of your life, <laughs> life, your life, at least 18 years of it. You know what I'm saying? And and, and the thing of it is, if, if you get a young lady pregnant, uh, a young lady gets pregnant, guess what? Uh, even though y'all might not be dating, uh, you still should respect her and at least show her respect because as a friend, if that's all, the child should have a healthy life with two parents. You don't have to be together. That's okay not to be together. But you should at least give the, ch- the child enough chance to have a respectful relationship with his mother and father where, hey, we going, I'm having this at school. Mama, you share that. And this, uh, mama, Dad, I'm having this. Call mama. And, and it should be a healthy thing, you know. Kids don't make decisions. Parents do. And so sometimes the decision the parents do may cost the kids things, socially, physically, and mentally. So sometimes you just have to really think about it. It's okay to be safe. If you're going to do things, it's just be safe. It don't mean you don't like the person in the left or you're being safe. It just means you care about yourself and your future. Because you got to live. You got to live. You got to live. That's just how I feel about that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I'll tell you what, we're going to go ahead and go to the phone now. We got somebody on the line right now. So, welcome to Rick Neck My Heart. You're on the air with Brother June and Brother Prater and Jerry Prater. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, so, I got got a double punch tonight. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hey, hey, now it's just been, it's been great. It's been great. Um, I was taking a little nap. I kind of tuned in a little late, but... Um, everything that uh, uh, Brother Jerry has been talking about, you know, it kind of kind of hit home with me. You know, you and I have talked about, you know, how we grew up and different things. And, you know, from having strong parents to uh, being in positions, you know, you and I have worked at the jail and now I'm, um, you know, I'm working at the hospital as a police officer. You meet a lot of people that um, 
you know, that uh, you can have influence on. And, uh, man, Brother Jerry, man, I appreciate you for the work you've done. I appreciate you for the work that you're doing. Um, I mean, it's an awesome job. Uh, to, to be able, it's an awesome thing to be able to look back and see the 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 people that you helped and that you're still helping. So, you know, I just want to congratulate you on that. I want to congratulate you on 40 years of service. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, listening to you, um, I've drawn a lot of similarities, and I also, you know, am learning at the same time. Um, I'm actually in a current position where. I'm in the middle of South Dallas. You know, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about any certain part of the city. Yeah, yeah, else, no, you, know what, you, you, you know what that's mm-hmm. about. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. I understand that there are people, there's people there that need help. You know, right. there's people there that, that's going to walk in. And because of my example, one of the things you said, I'm glad this came back to me, is that, you know, when people ask us, because I'm going to say us because, it happens to me too when people ask, well, "Are you a minister?" You know yeah. what I had to um, begin to understand, and one of the things I learned from Minister June and uh, uh, Pastor Logan and um, um, uh, 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 Minister Tim and Brother Landy, you know, we all ministers. Yeah. No matter what vocation we have, we should always be seeking God. And it was a conversation I had with my daughter this weekend, June. I'm not trying to take over the show because you know I like to run my mouth. But <laughs> but I was having a conversation with uh, uh, my daughter this weekend, and, and I was explaining to her, no matter what we're doing, uh, we should always be seeking God. And that's what I heard in your voice. You you always seeking God. But guess what? By you seeking God through your vocation, you help many people. So I just thank God for you tonight. Thank you, sir. Uh, I can go thank on you. and on, Mr. You know me. I can go on and on, but I thank God for you tonight, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Y'all be blessed. You too. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. You know, um, I, I was, I like this, even just preparing, preparing for tonight's episode, you know, um, trying to look at him not as my brother, but just kind of looking at just the pattern throughout our life and, you know, um, you know, like I said, pretty much, I was looking at it. He, this is not to embarrass him, but he whooped up more than my dad. <laughs> you know, um, you know, he, you know, when you when you see me, you see my sister. So he he washed us, and after he got us on our feet and everything, then all of a sudden my mama had a conversation. My mom, I forgot who was mama or dad or whatever had a conversation with him to make him know that he's going to be another brother. <laughs> and I started crying. <laughs> Walking afraid of what? But yeah. you know what? It's, it's wonderful, man. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. I mean, I promise you. I promise you my life is been All this he's talking about, I mean, I did it because I knew what was out there before they knew. And nobody taught me what was out there. I had to see for myself, right? My daddy didn't teach me about what's out there. My mama didn't teach me about it. They taught us about church and doing the right thing, family, this, this, this. Well, I'm the oldest one, guess what? I'm going out there to experience. But when I go out there to experience, I got to teach my brothers because I don't want them getting hurt. I don't want them things happening. You know, when I started seeing things and I started seeing what not to do and what not to go with it, I started telling them that stuff because I started telling my cousins and stuff. And they started laughing and talking, you know, and, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's a, it's it's an honor to be able to tell them and show them, you know. Man, it's been wonderful. I, I just can't. I just, you know, it's wonderful, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's um, 
it, you know, it, it's really awesome for a lot of times we may not have understood it growing up. Like I said, this is 70s. This is not 2000 millennium. Right, right. This is in the 70s where, you know, we had the King James Version of the Bible where, <laughs> you know, where if you didn't understand it, you got to whoop it. Or lecture, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, just being able to just, from the time that we grew up up to now, the main thing I kept seeing yeah. within our yeah. neighborhood yeah. was unity. Yeah. It it was not the fighting like no. we have it now. We we go up to the basketball court, this is a short story. Me and Jay Thomas and we call him Rockhead and Anthony Malden and all my friends, we played football against at Midville Street, all these streets played each other. And sometimes we get into a squabble. And until we get into a squabble, we sit right back down and play with each other. I mean, all these are still these are our lifetime friends that we just love to hang out with, love to talk to. We men now. And we just love when we see each other. We just love each other. Because it's the memories that we have that we were growing up that we taught each other stuff, how to deal with stuff, and how to, you know, we had conversations with each other. You know what I'm saying? And so I just think, man, you have to, man, it's just so wonderful. I, I wish the kids these days could experience what we experienced. Yeah. Because we stayed across the street from this park forever, bro. And I'll tell you what, we have went across this street, kids that came to this house. We have played basketball and football and soccer, and we have done everything. And I'll tell you what, it taught us how to be athletes in school. It taught us how to go work on these people's jobs. It taught us how to respect people because we respected each other first. And and, and it taught. It, I wish they could experience this stuff. This is what a lot of those kids are missing, man, community, love. You know what I'm saying? There's somebody in the neighborhood that is able to talk to them and just, you know, get up, get up, get their heart, man. Because, yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing, bro. Uh, even just looking at um, the way that we grew up and, like you said, many people that would come over to our house and it wasn't just they wanted to see us or it was just their friends, but my mom would mother them. Yeah. You know, whatever you hungry, you always go to a person's house that got kids. Yeah. <laughs> and my mama would always pick steak, steak rice and gravy, corn gravy, chicken rice and gravy, or every now and again, coon rice and gravy. <laughs> 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 you know, you know, uh, you know yeah. Mississippi, you know, my parents yeah. are Mississippi. Yeah. But what it was is that the kids that came over, we were like brothers and sisters. Family, bro. You know, and, and my brothers, each one of my brothers, uh, each one of my two other brothers, whatever friends they had, yeah. they looked at us as their little brothers yeah. or sisters. Yeah. You know, and they watched out for us. Yeah, even our kids. You no, know, even our kids. Like, you know, uh, we had, with uh, I got my cousin a job there. And so Michael, Michael was working with it, up there with me at, at churches. We walk home and my mom would fuss at us all night. Go to sleep because we'd be there laughing. <laughs> we just loved on each other all night. Yeah. <laughs> laugh because we loved each other so much. It was just, we just loved to be around each other. And yeah. man, I tell you what, God has just truly blessed, man. I wish I, I wish I could do, we could do a podcast on family, man, because, yeah. you know, with our family, you know, man, we have been blessed, man. You know, our uncles always taught us how to work. We always saw our uncles work. We saw, first of all, we saw our daddy going to work. Then we saw our uncles working and having their own businesses. We knew we could do that. And I figured out, I said, well, you know what? If I can't, if I, if, if whatever God had me to do, I'm going to do it my best. So I figured, okay, if I'm going to be a manager, which God led me to do, because that, those skills started at home. 
because at home I was managing my brothers and sisters, and they were I was getting their respect. So when I went to work at the age of sixteen, I was better than grown folks. Sixteen years old, Jack Hanna taught me how to do that, and Larry Tate taught me how to do that. You know, and and um, I'll tell you what, man, it was just those guys back in the seventies, bro. They taught me so much stuff, man, and I just love those guys for that, man, because they were like my big brother, and they took me under their wing. And these guys were not church guys. They were not, but they believed in doing the right thing and teaching you how to get somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's, that's what I always took with me. You got to work, son. You got to, you got to work. You know, and it, it gets you somewhere. You don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's even biblical. They you know? <laughs> don't work, don't eat. And, and also one of the things I found that because it's a lot of entrepreneurs in our family yeah. and stuff, you know, Oh, one of the yeah. things that God really just opened my eyes and blew my mind on, you know, in the Bible, it talks about God gave Adam work. But if you look at the origin of that word, work, it's a Hebrew word that means energy or source from God. So the thing is, God gave each and every one of us gifts and talents. But a lot of times we haven't tapped into it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we don't have it. Right. But sometimes you have to send yourself around people yeah. who are going to provoke that to come out, right, and right. even for you to be able to just, you may have to change your arena. You may have to change your environment. Yeah. You may have, like you said, That's you associate with, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and the most important thing I feel like, well, what man made that's so important that a lot of us we don't take advantage of it. The power of a mirror. Yeah. Sometimes you have to look in that mirror and tell yourself, tell yourself what you expect other people to tell you. You know. And so with that, you know, I'm I'm honored for uh, Jerry to be here, you yeah. know, and, you know, just I, I wanted to make sure that we be able to kind of just let the world hear, yeah. you know, some of the snippets of, you know, a conversation that, first of all, yeah. people that are family, yeah. and we can have a healthy conversation right. uh, for us to be able to really just, you know, invoke change and, and, you know, yeah. empowerment yeah. and all these things. And these are things that God wants us to do. Yeah. And also, even what he was saying earlier, you know, when you think about it, the importance of your family and the importance of your name because yeah. you represent yeah. your family. Yeah. But, you know, people may say, okay, it's Jerry, but who is that? Jerry Prater. Oh, that's Prater. Yeah. So that's something that we have to be conscious of. You represent your family and you, you can put a stain on your family's name, or you can remove the stain from your family's name, you know. So um, I- any important words, matter of fact, whatever law lay upon your heart, you can share it, and then after you get done, then you don't mind leading us to a word of prayer. You know, uh, yeah, me and one of my brothers had a conversation. It was like, uh, uh, he asked me one time, he said, well, you know, oh, this is my baby brother, Walter. He said, so, so what's it like being a man? Because we had these conversations. I like. I said, you really want to know what it's like being a man? Because he's he seen things that I was how I was going then. So yeah, he said, yeah, I want to see. You. I said, okay, let me tell you what it's like. Okay, it's like putting everybody on your back as a man and going up a hill. You got to carry everybody's weight up the hill. Your family, your kids, your wife. If you gonna make it, and your family gonna make it, you got to put everybody on your back. And go up the hill. I said, Do you think that's easy? He's like, No. Oh. That's what I'm telling you, but that's what it's like being a man. Is it easy? No way. No way. Because you're responsible for everybody's 
psychological growth. You, 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 you're responsible for that. If you birth a child in this world, you are responsible. Whether you want to be or not, you're responsible. If you fail at that, that's just your response. That's you. But you are responsible. If you know, if you choose to never do it, you failed at it, but you are responsible. Because the thing of it now, I see that a lot of parents are not taking responsibilities. Because these kids need discipline. I was telling this young man the other day, he has three kids. He's 22 years old. One-year-old, nine-month-old, and one on the way. And I told him, you are responsible for whatever reason, however it happened, that's not my business. But you're responsible for them. You're responsible for their well-being, socially, physically, spiritually, financially. And you've got to take care of their mom while you're doing all this, too. Because you've got to understand one thing. You know, parents these days, you know, the first time I had to discipline one of my kids, I cried. Because I, my daddy told me a long time ago, we were little kids. My daddy never really whooped us, but not me. But <laughs> uh, because he, he just has that effect on us. That if if he, he can't, if my mama said, wake your daddy get home. We start crying then. And he wake us up and out of our sleep. But, you know, the first time I had to do that, I cried because Christian had got in trouble. And I had, I had, my daddy told me I had to whoop him. Not on that indication, but I'm talking in my mind what I remember he said. And so I took Chris home, go in your room, I get my makeup ready. I'm, I'm going, I got to be a man. I've got to do this because I'm responsible for this. He's going to be a man one day. So I go in there like, oh, man, I got to whip this kid. Go in there. I go in there. I go in there. I go in there. He got me crying. He said, what are you crying for? I said, because I had to whoop you. He said, well, Daddy, I, I, I know I did wrong. But my daddy told me I had to whoop him. Chris is 40 years old. One time. That's the effect that it had. Because you have to do it in love. Like I told that young man, you have to discipline him in love. In love. You got to show him love. Yeah, you got to discipline. God disciplines us when we do things that we should in love. And he corrects us. And that's what I'm telling you. These kids, they want, they want discipline. I see it at work all the time. They want discipline. They want love. They want correction. But the, the parents won't do it. I'm just enjoying this night. I had a wonderful time. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to talk, I'm going to with everybody. So, like, just when God wants, when, when you can do something big or something to go down, God to bless you and something happens, the devil is always waiting. And if you're going to believe in God, you got to believe in the enemy. So, yes, the other day I was at work and I went to do something. I came back and I went across the street and I bought something to eat. I came back, I sat down, and I bit something. And I cracked my teeth. And so I was like, not this week. I'm going on the podcast. But God always gives you an out. Every time something happens, God gives you an out. My out was my mask. <laughs> but I'm just teaching you how when you think you don't have a way out, 
when you think you can't get something done, I promise you, if you go to God sincerely and humbly, and I keep using the word humble because humble is a hard thing to do because you got to give up everything you believe and think. you got to give it up if you want to believe that God's going to do something for you. And I tell you what, I love y'all, and I promise y'all I enjoyed this. And so, as Brother Prater, lead us out in prayer. It's all right. And I'll, we're going to do this again. And I want to do it on family. Family. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, man, I, I, I appreciate the man. And, you know, uh, this, this was all about, and, you know, many people were many people were blessed by what they would see pertaining to our family and everything. So this is just to let you all know that, number one, family can come together on a good occasion. Right. And family come together to work together, to right. pray together, to, right. to serve God together. Right. But the key thing of it is that, you know, if you feel that things ain't working out, then you pray for that family. Right. And if by chance that family member may not be listening, don't give up. Right. But also for you to be able to not just pray for, them, for your family member, but also pray for yourself. Yeah. You know, because you never know what the person may be going through. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, I thank God, you know, you know, thank God for my brother. You know, God has blessed him to be where he is. He has overcame a lot of obstacles, a lot of things that the devil tried to put before him. Yeah. The devil tried to take him out. The devil tried to break his spirit and all this stuff. But even yeah. in the midst of yeah. everything that the devil tried to put in front of him, yeah. God blocked it. God removed it. Yeah. And now God gave him a testimony. Right. He ended up able to be here with us right. to share with that way. We don't have to go through. Right. You know, one thing my dad have always said, our dad is since my brother's on here, but one of the things our dad always said, he said a wise man learns his mistake, but a wise man learns somebody else's mistake. So another for us to be able to, you know, uh, receive what God has for us, we have to sometimes eat that humble pie for us to realize that we don't know everything. We can't do everything. And also, this this is one thing I have to work on. Sometimes for us to be able to have um, to delegate responsibility to others, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard for us as men to say, I need help. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard for us to acknowledge that. Yeah. And so sometimes just for us to be able to just acknowledge that, that's when God is able to help us when we come to the realization of that humble pie and say, hey, look here, I need some help. And you'd be surprised just what that'll do, yeah. not just for the help to come, but also for that relationship to come. So mm-hmm. with that, for those who may have a situation that may be going on in their life, regardless if it's mentally, physically, and this is the last Sunday of, of, of Mental Health Awareness Month, even looking at this, a lot of these things, we, you know, sometimes we put things upon ourselves, and sometimes God may try to relieve a lot of the stress and burdens and all that stuff, even some things that may have been thrust upon us. You know, we serve a God that can help in whatever situation that we deal with. The Bible tells us to cast all of our cares upon him, for he cares for us, and we know that there is nothing too hard for God. And even if something may happen that, hey, you had, it's no fault of yours, look at it as an assignment. And if God, if God allowed it to happen, it's his responsibility to make sure that everything goes with if you're obedient. The Bible tells us if we're willing and obedient, then we will eat the good of the land. So this is God's way of helping us for us to be able to walk in that purpose and plan he has for us. In this case, you're not saved. 
Romans 10 and 9 tells us, and thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and believe in the heart that God will raise us from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're going to give everything to God right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We thank you, Lord, for your awesomeness. We come to you right now, God. We acknowledge your presence on today, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for allowing this encounter on tonight, God. God, we speak, God, that you help those who may have attentive uh, ears and hearts, God. And help them, God, to be able to hear the instructions that were given from Jerry, God. And help them to apply to their lives right now. In the name of Jesus. There may be somebody who may be watching, God, who may feel like giving up, God. Hold out, God. And help them, God, to trust you even in the midst of hurt, even in the midst of the confusion right now. In the name of Jesus, we bind everything the devil stand for. We counsel the devil's assignment right now. In the name of Jesus, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, even for Jerry, God. Continue to guide his, guide him and uh, order his steps right now. God, make every crooked path straight right now. Give him clarity right now, God. Even as he sleeps, God, give him sweet sleep, God. And help him, God, even in the dreams that you give him, even in the plans and in the visions, God. Help him, God, to be able to articulate what you give him, God, and help him, God, to put it into practice right now, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we even think of all of, not just our family, but God, even families as a whole, God. God, help this podcast, God, help this episode to be an example to other families, God, who may be divided, who may feel like, you know, uh, distancing themselves. But God, help them to understand the power of unity, God, the power of togetherness right now, God. Help us, God, to be able to even pray for each other right now. In the name of Jesus, we are our brother's people, not just the natural, but even the spiritual, or even the emotional right now. In the name of Jesus, you know, we're speaking, God, for those who may be hurt, touch and heal their bodies right now, God, physically, mentally, emotionally, even financially right now, spiritually, God. Help them bring the healing right now, God. And God, we even speak it right now, God, that you help your people right now, God, to cry out right now, God. And help us, God, to be the people, God, that will best represent you right now, God, to help change this world, God, to turn this world right side up right now. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you right now for everything you've done, everything you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. We say amen, amen, amen. I want to thank each and every one who tuned in. Once again, thank you for my big brother, Jerry. I, man, I appreciate the man. Glad to have you on your first Visit, not his last visit. Right, right. And uh, for those who may want to get in contact with me, catch me. I'm on Facebook. You can catch my uh, state of devotion, also my videos. Also, um, you can go to my website at brotherbrader.com. Uh, you can see my daily devotion and my videos and also my upcoming events. Also, if you go to the store section of my uh, website, you can purchase my book, A Few Good Men, A Path to Godly Fatherhood. A Few Good Men was written to inform men the needs and the responsibilities for their family, their children, even their children's mother, regardless if they're with them or not. But also, this book is also for women. You can be able to really just understand what a real man is and what a real man thinks. Also, it helps you to be able to identify the quality of a potential future husband and or present or future children. Also, my latest book, The Girl Who Was Her Brother's Keeper, The Love Beyond Life, this is a dedication to I was supposed to see the prayer uh, over domestic violence. And, you know, I just hope and pray that, you know, even this right here is an example. And also, you know, you know, can't go the episode without, you know, acknowledging my sister. You know, right. Thank God. Thank God for it. And, you know, he did. You know, he was the one that was babysitting us all the time. So, 
made it. I made it out. I made it out. <laughs> but hey, I want to say hello and all my family, the the Praters, the Logans, the Hutchins, the Flemings, the Washingtons, all our family out there. I miss all of y'all, and we're gonna have to get together real soon because we have not seen each other a long time. So this is gonna be something we're working for, and I and I love all y'all. <laughs> So once again, I thank y'all for listening and appreciate y'all. And thank y'all, thank y'all for listening to Reconnect My Heart Podcast. God bless you and good night. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) We made it. (laughs) Did I make it?